welcome back if you were here this morning. Good to see the number that we have out this evening, and I appreciate each and every one of you. A few announcements before we start our services. Uh, several items that aren't on the uh, bulletin. If you haven't gotten the bulletin, please pick a bulletin up. A lot of good information in there that will bring you up to speed on, so that we don't have to read through every item. One thing that I would like to mention, and I didn't this morning, uh, Brother Virgil Will Nelson lost his brother, and uh, I failed to mention that this morning, and uh, I know everyone's keeping him in your prayers, and uh, we love Virgil very much. Uh, Kelly Cosba, who became a sister in Christ recently. I've been told that I don't speak into the by my wife many times. A sister in Christ was baptized, but uh, her husband is sick with pneumonia. His name is Michael. Uh, he's in, I think he's in ICU. He's receiving medications, but they're not working very well. And I'm sure that's very concerning. He's at home? Good news. Good news. All right. That is good news. And uh, Brother Kenneth Hanby is in the hospital. And he's been struggling, as most of us know, for some time. And we love Ken like we do all our brothers and sisters in Christ and their family members. And keep him in your prayers. Keep, keep everyone on our prayer list uh, in your prayers and lift them up as often as you possibly can. I have one other announcement that's not in the bulletin. I learned something, and that's not unusual for me. Josh instructed me that uh, he's going to be at the, uh, he's going to have a booth, or we're going to have a booth, at the Blackbird Festival. And I had no idea that they celebrated those blackbirds that died in BB years ago. But again, you learn something all the time. Uh, Josh says he needs some volunteers who are willing to swap in and out, sitting and visiting with Folks, from 10 until 3, this is on Saturday the 21st, and once we see how many volunteers we have, we'll set up the rotation. So if you'd like to volunteer for that, please get in touch with Josh and let him know. I have nothing else. Are there any other announcements that anyone would like to add before we go to our Lord in prayer?
I hope everyone could hear most of that. I heard some of it. I'm sometimes hard of hearing certain pitches, but uh, we need to be praying for the people in Israel. It's a terrible, terrible situation that they're in over there, and not of their making, not of their choice. They just want to live in peace, like most of us do. It's sad to see the situation that uh, that's occurring there, and I know God has got to be very displeased at this moment, knowing that the barbaric acts that were committed over there. Let us go to our Father in prayer. Father, as we approach your throne, thanking you, Lord, for another day and all the blessings you bestow upon us, great and small, Father. Help us, Father, to be humble people, peaceful people, loving people that care about others no matter who they are. Help us, Lord God, to pray for those that even when they do wrong, Father, we want them to have a change of heart. We want them, Lord, to come to the knowledge of your word. Obey the gospel before it's everlasting too late. We pray, Father, your blessings upon those in Israel that are struggling against evil right now. Lay your protective hand upon those, Father, that are in harm's way. Be with those, Father, that are supplying care for those that are injured, for helping to feed and Support those, Father, that are in distress because of this terrible war. And we pray, Father, that you will intervene. That you will take a hand in upholding what is right and good and holy. And end this conflict. We pray, Father, your blessings upon each and every one of us that we will be better servants. We'll love more deeply, Father. We pray, Lord, that you will be with this congregation as we strive to do your work. That we will plant many seeds. And that you will reap a great harvest. Be with Josh this evening as he brings us a word, a message from your word, Father. Help us to take that word, apply it to our lives, make it part of our being, Father. And share it with others. 
We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Number 528. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's a fairest of ten thousand to my soul. The lily of the valley, in him alone I see. All I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow he's my comfort, in trouble he's my stay. He tells me every care on him to roll. He's a lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. Oh, he all my griefs has taken and all my sorrows borne. In temptation he's my strong and mighty tower. I have all for him forsaken my idols torn. From my heart and now he keeps me by his power. Though all the world forsake me, and Satan dip me sore, through Jesus I shall safely reach the goal. He's a lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's a fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He will never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me here. While I live by faith, as it will, a wall of fire about me, I've nothing now to fear. With his manna he my hungry soul shall fill. Then sweeping up to glory, to see his blessed face, where rivers of delight shall ever roll. He's a lily of the valley, the bright star. He's a fairest of ten thousand to my soul. 487, 487. When this passing world is done, when has sunk yon glaring sun? When I stand with Christ on high, looking o'er life's history, then, Lord, shall I fully know, not till then how much I owe. When I stand before the throne, Dressed in beauty, not my own. When I see thee as thou art, love thee with a sinning heart. Lord, shall thee know, not till then how much I owe. When the praise of heaven I hear, Loud as thunders to the ear, loud as many waters know. 
love it when Danny leads songs because he leads almost all of them that I've never heard (laughs) but he leads them where I can figure it out as we go and that's when you know you got a good song leader or two when they can lead it if you don't know it and you can still follow so this evening I'll tell you what I was torn with figuring out what I, I wanted to do coming back on Sunday evenings and Actually, very much like how Eric put last week or two weeks ago, I started one direction but then realized I I got something else on my brain. I've been bothered by my own self lately, and I've been bothered by, you know, talking to friends of mine that are preachers and, and hearing around about how little evangelism is really taking place. And I'm saying I've been bothered about that in my own self. I get caught up in the week-to-week preparing lessons nonstop. It takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort and energy. And so I kind of let it fall by the wayside. 
And I shouldn't because, well, yeah, it's part of my job, but also it's part of every Christian's job. And so this is what's been at the back of my brain nagging at me. And so I thought, okay, well, then this is how we're going to get it out. And I think that all of us here, yes, but church worldwide, but all of us here as well, I think we can do a better job at this together. Evangelism is not a one-person sport. It's a team effort. Everybody needs to be involved. Everybody is called to be involved. Some of us don't feel like we can do it, though, do we? I'm one of those people. I'll just tell you right now. In fact, uh, when we were preparing to go to Seattle, we were doing a lot of team preparation for a year or so. And I told them outright, I will teach, I'll preach, I'll do one-on-one Bible studies sometimes. But really, in terms of evangelism, I'm not your guy. And wouldn't you know it, the Lord heard me and smacked me around. And I ended up being, you know, one of the main ones doing it and getting it done and doing it up there because out of necessity, you know, we didn't have a place where we could come like this if we weren't evangelizing. And so that gave me the, the kick out the door that I needed to go do it. And I found, yeah, it can be intimidating. Yeah, it can be scary, but I didn't die. <laughs> I did it. And we found people that were willing to listen to the word. We found people that were wanting to know the gospel and wanting to know more about God. And so let me ask you this. Well, let me get my clicker going. Like I said, I'm, I'm kind of thrown off because of how abrupt I've started this, this series. But also I'm, I'm thrown off because I left my Bible at home and I left my backup Bible at home. And so I have my wife's pretty Bible. And I like this because she's got the tabs in it where I know where the books are. So I'm going to be getting there lightning fast tonight. But let me ask you this. What is your story? And, and I'm doing this more by the way, Bible class kind of format a little bit. And so if there's someone here that wants to say it, by all means, but I feel like I can put David Mays on the spot a little bit. David, why did you become a Christian, and how did it feel when you became one? Well, I had a, a good example, grandfather and mother. Mm-hmm. And I, I became convinced at an early age that the Bible is God's Word. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so how did it feel when you finally became a Christian? Load off my shoulders. Load off your shoulders. Someone else, how did it feel when you became a Christian? Just boom, real quick. Set free. Set free. Load off my shoulders. Set free. What else? Pure. Pure. What else? Anybody excited? Yeah, can you at least raise your hand and tell me you're excited? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, double hands. Woo! And, you know, when we think about the time when we became a Christian, why we became a Christian, we realized we, it's something we needed, not just a good thing to do, right? I desperately needed this. I was lost in my sins, but I realized that he could save me. And once that happened, it was a load off my shoulders. It was, it was freeing. I felt pure because God has made me pure. It was exciting. It was great. I was excited and, and willing to do a whole lot more for God. I was on fire, I guess you could say. I was motivated. How do we communicate all of that? How do we communicate that same need? How do we communicate the same excitement and relief and etc. that we all felt and get it across to someone else that needs the same thing? 
That's where my brain is going in this. How is it that we can do that? Because we think of evangelism almost as this big boogeyman, you know, okay, maybe I can say a prayer, maybe I can do this, but I can't get out there and share the gospel. That's, that is, you know, the, the, the real pros are the ones that are able to do that. But at the end of the day, a lot of what takes place is you sharing your story. It's here's why I made this decision. Here's how I came to the decision. Here's how I felt. Don't you want that too? Don't you need that too? And a lot of the time you'll find that people are in agreement that, yes, I need that very same thing. But we also got to remember that there is a sense of urgency to evangelism. Perhaps if we recognize the urgency that is there, maybe we will get more in gear to do it. Now, I will say this. And we'll define evangelism in just a second, but there is a difference between outreach and there's a difference between that and evangelism. A lot of times we kind of throw it in the same boat. Um, Very similar, but two different distinct things. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12, though, in terms of the urgency. Luke chapter 12, there's a parable here that I think you'll like. It's only five verses. Chapter 12, verse 35. And while we're turning there, I'll tell you, I don't have the whole series direction fully figured out. I am figuring it out as we go. But I'll tell you some of the things as we go that I know are on the road where we're going. Luke twelve thirty-five through 40. He says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Better version says, Gird up thy loins, right? And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Not, you know, sometime later, not put a pause on it, not check the ring doorbell, see who it is, but at once when he knocks. He is ready for the master. Verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake, meaning active, doing things when he comes. Truly I say to you, He will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You must also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. There is an urgency to our lives and what we're doing. Yes, some of us would say, not me, but some of us here might say, I've lived a long life, right? But in the grand scope of eternity, is it really that long? Maybe not. What time we have here is little. What time we have here is precious. In fact, time is each of us. It's our very most valuable resource that we have. It's the thing that costs the most when we give it up for somebody else. It's the thing that requires the most to pour into somebody. And so when it comes to evangelism, yes, there is an urgency because we know Jesus is coming back. And we don't know when. Are we going to be caught unaware? Are we going to be caught unprepared? Are we going to be caught saying, I wish I would have done more? I wish I would have talked to my neighbor. I wish I would have talked to the relative that I think would listen I wish that I would have, and so on and so forth. Or are we going to say, I'm doing right now everything that I can do. Jesus, come, but give me a little bit more time. Let me just get one more. Let me just get one more person. Let's go find one more. Stay active is the point of the parable. Prepare for his imminent return, his for sure return, because he is coming. And so let's define evangelism. 
It comes from the root word gospel, which is euangelion. Good news as you read it also and gospel. So the root word of evangelism comes from gospel, good news. And it's euangelistes. And in it, you got two words. EU being the good, but also in the middle of it, you got the word for angel there, which means messenger. That's what it means in the Greek. Angel is messenger. And so in it, quite literally, an evangelist that is referred to in Acts 21, verse 8, 2 Timothy 4, 5, when he says, do the work of an evangelist, that's the word. Or Ephesians 4, 11, when he talks about the gifts that are given to the church, uh, such as teachers, shepherds, and evangelists. A evangelist, quite literally, is a bringer of good tidings and very literally a gospelizer. That's what he does. That's what an evangelist is, a soul winner. I was in a, a place once talking briefly about evangelism, not like how I plan to do now. And we're talking about, you know, what is evangelism and how do we do it? And, and you know, of course, sometimes when you have a Bible class discussion, sometimes you get a little bit of an argument back and forth. And being a young buck, of course, I really stood my ground because I knew what I was talking about. Now, looking back, yes, yes, I still think I was right. But the way it went about it, maybe not so much. Um, and so the argument was, well, you know, evangelism is not just, you know, talking about Jesus. Evangelism is, is you know, doing something good for somebody or, or taking somebody out for lunch. You know, that, that's evangelism, to which I'd say it's not. Because, in fact, if you do not open your mouth to talk about Jesus, to spread the good news, you are not evangelizing. That's how the word breaks down. Evangelism is communicating the good news. And if we aren't communicating the good news, we aren't really evangelizing. We can do good things, service. We could outreach to our community, let them know, hey, we're here. Hey, we love you, that kind of thing. That's what I would say outreach is. But evangelism at its core is telling the good news. And we say, that's so scary, I can't do it. (laughs) Anybody else? I mean, I've said it, and and I've thought it, and I still think it. I can't do it. It's too big, too weighty. But at the end of the day... Yeah, you can take it and open it. You got it right there. And at the end of the day, you know, if you're a Christian, you know everything you need to know to evangelize. We think that, well, if I'm going to evangelize, I've got to know the Bible front to back, clear as crystal, and be very proficient in it, and know all these words. No, 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 no. You need to know who God is. You need to know what He has done for the world, what He has done for you, and what He can do for the person that you're talking to. That's what evangelism is. Sharing the good news. Sharing the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And so, who are you in this evangelism equation? Well, look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. We'll look at a couple different spots. Like I said, this is not my Bible, and I thought the tabs would help me, but they're not. Second, yes, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 through 20. Same version, though, so that helps. He says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Question, what do you do with a message? Well, yeah, just fold it up in your pocket. Well, sometimes maybe. But in this case, no, because he's saying you are entrusted with the very same message. Verse 20, therefore, 
We are ambassadors for Christ. Now, you can make the argument, well, he's talking about the apostles here. Yes, but guess what? He gave you every bit of revelation that they had as well. Therefore, you are now an ambassador as well for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And so you and I, who are we in this equation? We are ambassadors, but we are also co-laborers. Look in chapter 6, verse 1. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. And I couple that with Philippians chapter 1, if you want to turn there. I love this verse, Philippians 1, verse 3 through 5. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And so we're co-laborers in the work, you and I together. Everybody is called to labor in this way. Everybody, and, and yes, there are different degrees of how much evangelism maybe somebody can do and different methods of it. We will talk about that as, as this uh, lesson series goes on. But everybody is called to evangelize to some minimal degree. And at the same time, as co-laborers, what you and I are doing is, as disciples, you and I are making disciples. Can you guess where I'm going to go? One place is going to be Matthew 28, but the first place is going to be 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, he says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What do you do with the message? You give it to others that are faithful to help them stay faithful, but also so that they will faithfully deliver the message themselves. You see, when I get the most amazing news, by the way, the gospel being good news, yes, it's great news, but if the gospel is truly defined as good news, that means it's the only good news there ever is. There's positive news in the world. If we wanted to break it down and be very, you know, like that, it's the only good news. Why would I keep the only good news in the whole world to myself. Pretty selfish, I would say. And I hate that I have been selfish. Yeah, I get up here and I preach and everything, but to tell you the truth, 98% of the time, what is the preacher doing? He's preaching to the saved. The lost are out there. Sometimes they start wandering in, but we can't rely on them to wander in when they're broken and fully defeated. We got to go out there and meet them where they are and make decisions. What did he say, Jesus say in Matthew 28, the Great Commission? All authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. Go, therefore, verse 19, and watch the process if you're looking at it. Go, there's the first. <laughs> Go, of course, and make disciples of all nations. There's step one. What's a disciple? A follower, a learner, a student, right? Go make a disciple. Is a disciple always a Christian? No. Because Paul came across some disciples that were John's disciples. They had been baptized, but not for the baptism to receive the Holy Spirit. So then they were baptized and became disciples of Christ. So some disciples are learners, but they're not Christians yet. Step one, make disciples of all nations. Step two, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're Christians now. Step three, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And so part of the problem with if we get too excited just getting people and dunking them in the water and leaving them out to dry, that's also is wrong. Because if we're just leaving them to dry, that's a new baby in Christ. That's a new creation in Christ that we're leaving on their own. That doesn't make any sense, does it? That almost sounds cruel in a way. 
to live in a world where spiritual warfare is taking place and not give them any direction and not teaching them all that Christ has said, all that the apostles have set forth? No. So I've got to teach. I've got to do that part of it as well as an evangelist. And I know that I can do it. It feels that I can't do it. It feels like a mission that's too big. But what does verse 20 say? Behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Verse 18, he tells us his authority to give a commission. Verse 19, he gives the commission. Verse 20, he tells us how you're going to succeed. Not in yourself, but in him. What did, what's the verse that we brought up this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, that Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, so someone else came along to help teach. Yeah, we're not alone in this, are we? But God gave the increase. God is the one that makes it possible. God is the one that gives the salvation. God is the one that gives the growth thereafter as well. Who am I in this equation? I'm an ambassador. I am a co-laborer. And I am a disciple that is focused on making other disciples. And so what is needed by the local church to evangelize successfully? I'm just introducing evangelism as a whole in this. Well, one, I'd say commitment from every Christian is needed. And I think that's true at every aspect in your walk as a Christian. But we can't neglect to include in that walk evangelism, can we? Since it's an essential part of our DNA, it's an essential part of who we are and what we are meant to do and be. I've thought about this for a while, you know, why don't people evangelize? Well, maybe there's two reasons. There might be more. Two reasons that I come up with for myself. One, I don't know how. That's pretty good reason to not evangelize. Okay, so I need to learn how. But two, maybe I'm not committed enough to do it. Maybe I need to refine that excitement that I once had when I was a brand new Christian, that I was on fire. I was naive, but I was excited. Maybe I need to find that excitement and get back into it. And, you know, we need to speak of the importance of getting the entire body involved in evangelism and not just talk about it but be about it you know we say you've heard the phrase uh practice what you preach well i kind of reverse it preach what you're practicing and so that's why i'm doing what i'm doing because if i'm doing this then i'm going to be very intentional from here forward about evangelizing through the week and we're going to check in each week and say how's it going Have you thought about this? Have you been praying about this? Has anyone had any interesting evangelistic encounters? What is going on? How can we help you? That kind of thing. We're going to keep each other on this, and you're going to keep me on it. And I think that's how it's supposed to work. But we speak of it often. And we speak often of the commitment that you and I are supposed to have as Christians. Luke 9.58 says, When Jesus said, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lie his head. To the one that said, I'll follow you. But he's saying it's going to be uncomfortable at times. You and I, especially when it comes to evangelism, we've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I've got to remember to put aside my own selfish wants, my own selfish desires, and remember Galatians 2.20 when he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And if Christ is really living in me, then he's going to evangelize. (laughs) And that's what he did when he was here on earth, isn't it? And so we're going to observe how he did it. But another point as well, step one, we need commitment from every Christian. But you, you know, we also need cooperation with every Christian. I think this gets overlooked a little bit. You know, we could talk about unity in a local body. 
If we are not unified in purpose and goal, not just saying we agree on every single little thing, that's not unity. But if we are not single-minded on the goal of we've got to save souls, we're going to heaven, we're going to bring as many people along with us as possible, and we're not going to let the hang-up stop us from doing that, then we're not just going to get along to go along. What is needed in our brotherhood is a spirit of love and fellowship that will enable us to work together fluidly. We need then better communication. We need fewer glory hounds before we can move forward with better working conditions among our own selves. I'm not saying that that's necessarily here. I'm just talking in in a broad spectrum. But we need it within our own uh, autonomous congregation where we're at in this group right here of believers. And he gives us the keys for how to do that in Ephesians 4.1 and also in Galatians 5.22 with the fruit of the Spirit, talking about humility and gentleness in both of those places. But we also, in a sense, need it with other local bodies in nearby places and other towns because if we really are all part of the same worldwide body, if we really all have the same goal, then perhaps we ought to start to mobilize together to do some things. You know, without sacrificing our autonomous beliefs where you and I, we are working independently here, but perhaps with a town or two over, we could buddy up with a group and set out to work together on some evangelistic outreach that we have once a year or something like that. Imagine if God's people actually started working as an army and set out to seek and save in that way. Whenever we were in Seattle, when we had the uh, disciple trips come, it was, it was very interesting. We never had that many people at one time doing it. And we had a lot of results. We had, in case you don't know a whole lot about up there, you get everything from witchcraft to Satanism to all different cultures and beliefs. Uh, I mean everything from small to great. And when we were out there, that one day we ran into everything just about under the sun. But we also had the most response that we had. And I believe it was because... God's people came out in numbers with a common goal and agenda to say, we're going to find souls that want to listen. And we found one. (laughs) We were there all day and we found one. That's a success, isn't it? Just one more. Just one more. That's our evangelism thought. So let's go get one more, right? So we need to work together here. We need to make sure that we are at peace with each other here and also do our best to cooperate with those in other places and see how we might can come together. Not all the time, of course, but it is good when God's people get together with a common goal. And so we're wrapping up here in just a second, but who is your target? You ever thought about that? Well, the lost, yes. (laughs) But are you going to go outright to, to the famous atheist that debates on atheism versus creationism right away? I'm not. (laughs) We've been studying apologetics, but I'm not going to do that. Why? Because it's not necessarily a lost cause. But I want to find people who are looking already, perhaps, in some way. Maybe they already believe in God, but they believe some other things about Him, or they believe in some other things about Scripture. But those are the people that I'm looking for. Our mission is to proclaim the good news message, which means there are people without it. That's the goal for evangelism. We're looking people for people who are looking for God. And you might disagree with me, and that's okay on this. You can tell me afterwards. But we can't always allow constantly our time to be stolen by people who are not given back to us, that we are trying to seek and save. For example, 
I know somebody that I would love to be saved and pour into them and pour into them and pour into them, and they're giving nothing back. And while I'm pouring into them and spending all my time and effort with them, this person over here is starving for the same message, and they're ready to respond. Or this person over here might be ready to respond as well. But I don't know because I'm pouring into someone that's not giving back. Do I cut ties completely? No, that's not what I'm saying. But do I allow myself to pull back a little bit and give time to others? And maybe while the goodness is away from them, they realize how much they do want it? That's a very good possibility. In fact, Scripture speaks of that quite a few times. And so I've got to look for those that are willing to give back. How do you know when, when it's good to keep studying with someone? When they're still asking questions, when they're still giving back to the conversation, when there's a real conversation to be had and you can tell that they are seeking. There is a perfect model of evangelism, and it's exactly how Christ did it. And in his model, I think we can see at least four things that I'll itemize throughout this. How he very much, uh, you can see in his evangelism, relationships, rapport being developed, the revelation of God's word, and the results that took place after. But let me put this all together in a definition for you. Evangelism is the developing of relationships that are strengthened through rapport, thereby enabling the revelation of God's will into the life of the seeker, allowing Christ to be seen, taught, and exhibited. And as a result, we participate in the scheme of redemption, and the kingdom of God grows in the very community that you and I serve. That's our goal with evangelism. And in it, you can see it's going to take time. There's not a silver bullet for evangelism. There's not a silver bullet argument. There's not one passage you can just throw at somebody and they're going to become a Christian. A lot of the time, 98, 99% of the time, what it's going to take is time. A relationship being built, some kind of relationship. Then you and I working individually with somebody just to strengthen the trust. That's rapport. Strengthen the credibility that I have with this person. Why? Why are they going to listen to me if they don't really know me about life-changing things, if what I'm telling them is going to demand an actual full 180 change of lifestyle, why would they listen to me unless they trust me? Unless I've gotten to really build a relationship that's based on trust and mutual respect, a give and back, and then they can see what God's Word is all about. And so that's where we're going to go in the direction. I don't have an invitation for you other than to say, I'm right there with you. You felt like you needed to respond. I'm, I'm one that needs to do better. I can do better in all ways, but this one in particular, I've let fall by the wayside. And so I hope you'll keep me honest. And in the coming weeks, as I said, I'm, I'm kind of making this up as I go. And I welcome the input and I welcome the conversation about it. We'll talk about evangelism tactics, perhaps, and methods and things like that that are there, how to have a conversation, a one-on-one method as well. But we're going to talk about the need for it. We're going to talk about hopefully developing our desire to evangelize and seeing how Jesus did it so that we can exhibit Jesus and do it how he did it. Nobody did it better. And so he's the one that we ought to turn to. He's the one that we ought to see in his prime, how he reached out to a deprived and lost world and mimicked that. But we offer this time as a time for prayer or for those that need it for any reason. And so if you're here and you need to come forward for any reason, let us know as we stand together and sing.
seated. <clears throat> Lord's table is being left prepared. Is there anyone that needs to partake tonight? Raise your hand, please. Okay. <clears throat> Number 105. 105. When we meet in sweet communion, where the peace divine is spread, hearts are brought in closer union, while partaking of the bread, precious feast, all else surpassing wondrous love for you and me. While we feast, Christ gently whispers, do this in my memory. God so loved what wondrous measure, loved and gave the best of heaven, bought us with that matchless treasure, yea, for us his life was given, precious feast, all else surpassing, wondrous love for you and me. whispers, do this in my memory. Peace divine, all else surpassing, precious blood for you and me. While we sup, Christ gently whispers, do this in my memory, precious feast, all else surpassing, wondrous love for you and me. While we feast, Christ gently whispers, do this in my memory. See the hands of anyone who wishes to partake of the Lord's Supper. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Dear Father in heaven, as we come to this table to partake of this bread that represents that body that Christ shed upon that cross for us, help us to always remember to partake of it with love and caring in our heart. Remember that great sacrifice that he made for each and every one of us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
was about. Lord, as we take this cup, let us remember that it represents the blood that was shed on the cross for our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord's Supper, he also asked you to give back. Will you please bow your heads with me? Dear Father in heaven, help us to always remember that each and everything that we have is a blessing from you. Help us to always have a loving and giving heart and to give back what he has prospered us with. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The tray will be laying on the table and Another Lord's Day. I can't tell you how comforting it is for me to gather together with like minded people that love God and want to do His will gives me great peace. If you're a visitor, we want to thank you for sharing your time with us. If you would, take a moment and fill out one of these blue cards and lay it on the table in the foyer and stick around for a few minutes if you would and let us get to know you better. If you're looking for a church home, we hope you found one. We hope you found that we worship as God wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. Just a gentle and loving reminder. When we leave this building, God is walking out that door with us. He's with us all the time. And the world is watching us watching what we do, what we say. Again, thank you for attending this evening. And let us go to our Father with a closing prayer. Father in heaven, as we conclude another Lord's Day, offering up praise, honor, 
and all the glory, Father, to you, the true and living God, Jehovah. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Help us, Father, to be better servants. Help us to love more deeply, to share your word with a lost and dying world, Father. Help us to be your light. Be with those of our number, Father, that are sick, that are injured, that are struggling in other ways. Heal them, Father. Provide their needs as only you can. Bless each and every one of us, Father, with your love, your mercy, and your grace. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.